couple of passages before you, and then that's to set us um, for matter to pray as we open our class. So on Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If somebody would read for us Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And this, uh, although this is uh, a matter of prayer as we open our class, it also ties in with what we've been discussing in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, the inspiration of Scripture and how it is profitable and therefore we ought to use it for these things. So somebody read for us Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our own in, in our image, according to our likeness. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Thank you. And then, um, how did he create them? The end of verse 27. Yeah. So just to note that. God made man and woman. Then again, in Genesis chapter 2, if we could read um, maybe verse just verse 18, and then uh, verses 21 through 24. So if you want to do the same again, Tom, that'd be fine. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And then 21 through 24. And the Lord said, it is, not, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and he slept. <clears throat> then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man for this cause man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed so right here at the beginning of scripture we have uh, marriage right and God's design in that and then Romans chapter 1, and maybe we can read uh, 25 to the end of the chapter, and then I'll explain what we're going to pray. Romans chapter 1, verses 25 to the end of the chapter. (laughs) 
somebody read that. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in them the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do whatever, what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Mm. So, our, the church in Canada, the believing church in Canada, uh, this morning will be preaching, at least uh, many churches, we'll put it this way, um, and perhaps 3,000 churches in the United States are joining in this. But a new bill has passed in Canada that says what we just read is a myth. Says that uh, that God created them, male and female created he them, is a myth. And to contradict that is a crime under criminal statutes. So there's great concern. This law came into effect about a week ago, and they determined that today, churches across Canada would preach on God's design in creation for male and female, according to the authority of God's word. And also, like we read here, um, if a young man came to Pastor Dave, or maybe your son came to you, or your daughter, and said, I'm having trouble with these thoughts and affections that are going on in me. And you said, God can change that. God can help you. There's repentance to be given you. The, the believers that can't believe that is now declared a crime. So in resistance to that, they're preaching on these very things today. And I thought it'd be good for us to uh, open up in recognition like God's word is supreme. Give grace to our brothers in Christ. Thank you for their willingness to stand strong. And um, it's, you know, Canada, like the United States, has long held to freedom of conscience and freedom of religion. And uh, the believers are feeling the press today. And uh, so I thought it would be good. I want to pray with them. I want to pray with you in that regard. Yes, Tom. So our pastor's going to go to jail tomorrow morning? That's what we're going to find out. They, uh, that's their concern, but they're going to do it. But And I don't know how many. Um, I was listening to one Canadian pastor, and um, he's, uh, he also has many friends here in the United States, and he knows of 3,000 churches in the United States that are joining. So I don't know if there's going to be 3,000 churches in Canada so bold or 
three hundred. I don't know what what it is. I have no idea. <coughs> I have not heard that. Um, you know, it's sometimes the way laws are written isn't the way people want to enforce them. You know, especially when many people stand up and say we will obey. We must obey God rather than men. Father, we thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ ready to stand on the authority of your word in love, knowing, Lord God, that every way that you have is good, that it's perfect. Lord God, that your word is always true. It's eternal. It's unchanging. It is no myth, but very truth itself. We ask for ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Canada, Lord God, sanctify us through the truth. For your word is truth. Give boldness and anointing and your spirit this morning, Lord God. And we pray, Father, that uh, for revival. Pray for revival in our city, Lord God, for us a new thirst and hunger for your word, for the authority of it, the truth and power of it in every Christian, in every brother in Christ, and in those that don't know you, Lord God, that eyes would be open. They would join us in the worship and praise of Jesus Christ. Pray for Canada, Lord God. We ask, Father, for great, abundant, powerful grace for the congregations in Canada that know and sense, Lord God, they are resisting earthly powers to make known the truth of God's word, to declare with one voice together, we must obey God rather than men, and also to set captives free, to remove heavy burdens from the backs of men and women and young boys and girls, Lord God, that is truth, knowing truth, <coughs> truth as it is in Christ that sets us free, continuing in your word and obeying it, then we are free, free indeed, our Savior said. So we pray for that spiritual freedom and power that only you can give to be theirs, and not only theirs but ours, but also knowing that they are ours and we are theirs because we are one family in Jesus Christ. We have, there is one faith, one Lord, one baptism, and one spirit. And so therefore, Lord God, together by the power of the Spirit through grace and the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are one family bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, changed through the power of the Spirit of Christ living now by the grace and strength of Jesus Christ. The life that we now live in the flesh living by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Knowing also that our long home is in heaven. Our eternal home. Our citizenship. So let us live today, Father as citizens of the kingdom of God. 
Give us grace as we study your word this morning, Lord Jesus, that it would further strengthen us, open our eyes to behold more the beauty of Jesus Christ, and change us so that when we leave this morning, we're not the same as when we came. But we are being changed from grace to grace, from faith to faith, through your spirit and word. We ask all these things in that name, above every name, the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. Verses 15 through 17. Somebody read that for us and we'll jump back in there. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. From the infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which you are able to make to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as we talked over these past few weeks, um, finding that it's from a child Timothy could know the scriptures. So we learn from that that um, we should raise our children on the Word of God, every word of it, from a very young age. Um, Not just like 14 or 13, but from infancy. Um, That the Scriptures are able to make us wise. That they are the Holy Scriptures, that holy men of God removed by the Holy Spirit, bringing us the Holy Word of God. That... uh, It is spiritual matter that they make us wise through faith, faith unto uh, which is in Christ Jesus. Um, Somebody pointed out, we never want to forget, right? We don't have faith in faith, it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The object of our faith is Jesus. It's Him that we take a hold upon, not our own abilities to think positively. Um, that's not the power of positive thinking or the power of possibility thinking. It's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ at work within us and for us. Christ in us by His Spirit, Christ for us in the life that He lived, that He is our mediator, the one mediator between men and God. That all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every Word. We talked last week about the verbal, plenary inspiration of Scripture, a doctrine that the church has always held to. But uh, a phrase that just sums up what it is we believe about Scripture's inspiration. What does verbal mean in that phrase? Yeah, the words. The words themselves. And plenary I know it's hard. I, I had to ask this over and over and over again until I finally got all of them, right? All of them. Every paragraph, every sentence, every word, every syllable, every letter, every jot and tittle, ours from heaven, the breathed out word of God, all of it, that uh, 
uh, inspiration wasn't like men writing in a trance, um, but that prophets and, po- and apostles brought us the word of God, writing as men with like passions the same as we, and yet what they wrote got so involved that the very word they wrote down was the word God would have. Even if we say, it sounds like Mark, it sounds like Paul, because that they wrote as apostles and prophets of God. And the church is built on that foundation. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And you guys gave me something new to think about uh, as Bob sat here in this corner chair and described for us what is a cornerstone and how the whole Everything is set off the cornerstone. If the cornerstone is right and true and square, and then each brick laid will be that way. And uh, maybe the principal thing to derive from that passage from Ephesians is the center of our doctrine is Jesus Christ. And the message the apostles and the prophets brought to us is Jesus Christ. But it also tells us of the purity of the Word of God. Because Christ being that foundation, it built upon him. The very words we have are kept and are pure and ours from heaven. So that's, uh, and then we talked about what is profitable. It doesn't mean like, okay, so we can make some money. But it means so we should use it. It's useful. It's useful to these ends. For doctrine, which uh, many of us have the word teaching in our translation, and the idea is the the subject matter of that which is taught. Teaching is a noun. How what did the what did your teaching in shop class in high school? How does your shop class teaching today help you? Right? What was taught unto you? The subject of it, the content of it. So it's profitable for the truths. We uh, ground our life upon. And that's where we left off last week. So now we're caught up with doctrine. And we went through a little list of what doctrine did we learn so far. Just to see, like, doctrine, uh, uh, faith is a gift. Doctrine, faith can grow. Doctrine, God provides means to that end. Those are things we talked about our first week. Doctrine, scripture is inspired of God, all of it. Doctrine, scripture is profitable. Doctrine, scripture is effectual. Doctrine, one can know the scriptures from their young childhood. See how that works? And then we also saw that we need to use that then and apply those things. Let's teach our children. Let's look to the word. So I had uh, written in my notes other doctrine just so that we have that idea, like, for example, the doctrine of God. And uh, I'm not, I think I'm going to put a pin there because we are studying specifically this. So, but, you know, I wanted to talk about God as a spirit, that there's one God, uh, that he is transcendent, right? He, He is above and beyond even his creation, that he's the unchanging God. And, and uh, we have this, so we look at all the scripture to see what it says about God, what, how he has revealed himself to us, to build the doctrine of God. 
or the doctrine of justification or atonement or adoption. So this morning, uh, I wrote some verses down that I wanted to look at this doctrine, the doctrine of the authority of Scripture. Since we're talking about specifically that, I thought maybe that would be good. And three of the, these first three passages, I think we've already looked at. So we'll look at them real just to refresh ourselves. Um, can I just start over with Mark and then Donica and Second uh, Peter chapter one? And uh, I'm wondering if I have this other one written down wrong. I'm going to give Don, I guess it's uh, interesting how different what I think it is. Um, I'm going to give you 1 John 5 9. Mark's got 2 Peter 1 19 through 21, and Donnie will go to 1 John 5 9. Okay, 19 through 21. Okay. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, <clears throat> until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. From prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So we use this verse to show inspiration of Scripture, right? Men spake, holy men of God spake as they were moved, or did you say carried along? Yeah. Carried along by the Holy Spirit. But how does this speak to the authority of God's Word? What do we, yeah, look, if we could answer that, um, probably good just if we don't know the answer to this. What do we mean by the authority of God's word? We settle all matters by what scripture says. Oh, perfect. Say it again so everybody take listen to what Russ says here. Settle, we settle all matters by what scripture says. Yeah. So it has the final word. Settle everything. All matters. Good. Anybody want to add anything to that? I like this. Um, uh, if it has authority, <coughs> what does that mean to me? What is my relationship to it? Submission. Say that again. Submission. Yeah. I submit to it. It doesn't, I don't uh, make it work uh make it say what, how do I want to say it? It's not submitting when I take scripture and place my own thoughts in it so that it comes out saying whatever it is I want it to say. I have to submit to it. I have to let it speak and I obey. I need to understand. Those are good. Okay, so how, how does this verse, this passage speak to that?
In verse 20 it says, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So its origin or source is greater than just man's word. Ooh, that's good. Yes. I mean, even though it is the mystery of real men writing under their real ability and their real God using their own talents, but the Spirit's breathing through them, but at the same time, that breathing through is deeper and stronger than even just Paul himself, right? Right. When Paul picked up the pen as an apostle or any of them, he was writing in a unique way that has more authority and power than if Paul were speaking uh, as just a fellow believer. Very good. Um, Would you also say that in addition to its origin, its understanding? Yes. Is part of that? Well, say, explain what you mean more. Um, so you could say you could say inspiration could be gibberish, right? That would be it could be inspired gibberish. Or inspiration could be could carry some understanding with it. You know that if it was inspired by God, we then can understand it because of God's ability to communicate what He means. That's very good. I actually wrote some other doctrines down that I'm sure I won't. We won't be able to get to. But the word, the first one I said was the word of God is written in a manner so as to be understood. It's God's Word. You didn't... Uh, one thing important, like, um, there's so many airs that fly after us. One of them is, like, numerology. If you know the right numbers, you can decode the Bible and unlock what's hidden in its pages, and you can find JFK in Habakkuk. I'm sorry, it's not funny. It's it funny. isn't funny because it's, it's real, real, right? It's real. I mean, that's not me making up. That's no. a that's a real thing. But it's it's a new you know numerology. So people are so fascinated, and have had like even very best friends get caught up in numerology, and uh, be like, I'm so into the word right now. I'm just studying. It's so hard because I'm. It's unlocking. Did you know? And then, um, and sometimes it's not so obvious. Uh, people are counting things and making points that uh, more than just like, see how God repeats this. It must be important. We can take that to heart. So Gary's points taken. Yeah, God does not speak gibberish. So I think Rhett's right. It, this is uh, God's word. In verse 19, I mean, it's telling us plainly, too, this is a more sure word of prophecy. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I, I'm stuck in the numerology thing. God doesn't write in code. We might not understand it, but he's not writing in code. He's writing to be understood. Amen. There are things that we might not understand about the Bible. There might be doctrines we won't fully understand, but God is not hiding his wisdom through 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 codes and things like that. So if we're going down a road, I just want to encourage all of us, like if we think yes. we're finding special new knowledge, that's a dangerous place to be. Thank you. He's not writing in code. Right. Amen. Thus saith the Lord. There's no, uh, it's not written 
of any private interpretation. It's written so as to be understood. Some things are harder to be understood than others, and uh, I hope we get to it, but another doctrine is, what is the best interpreter of Scripture? Yeah, scripture. Glad we all said that. I heard that from several places. Not numerology, right? Not uh, not history. Um, someone used to remind me, like we can read Alfred Eidersheim's Life and Times of Jesus Christ the Messiah, or we can read Josephus the Jewish historian, or we can read F.F. Bruce, but um, they're building on scraps. We don't. What's the most well-preserved display of the understanding of the culture and times of history? But the Word of God. The Word of God. So we need to understand the Word of God in the context of the Word of God. All right. I think verse 19 also, just that admonition. So you would do well to take heed to it. The scripture is like a light shining in a dark place. The scripture will be like the day dawning and the day star rising in your heart. Salvation comes in, through the hearing of the word or the message of it, like we talked about two weeks ago. The gospel as revealed to us by the word of God. First uh, John Five, nine. I like Scott. There's a, a verse in Isaiah 28, 9 and 10. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Well, that's, I mean, is we don't we don't come into the Christian faith suddenly knowing all, right? We know a little, and then maybe next week we know just a little bit more, line upon line. Let the Word of God build you up as a man and as a woman of God, hearing line upon line. One of the things I've noted. I brought some, a couple more London Baptist Confessions of Faith. You know, there's 32 chapters of doctrine there for us, but they built doctrine on doctrine in there. You have a doctrine set up, like chapter 1 is the doctrine of Scripture, and chapter 2, the doctrine of God. But pretty soon you start building, like, uh, other things, like justification, or, I'll back up, like, the priesthood of Jesus Christ, that he is our mediator, our prophet, priest, and king. That appears in one chapter. And then the truths we learn there appear in the next chapter, and it's line upon line, precept upon lead precept. So one thing I like about it, it just teaches me how to how to interpret Scripture with Scripture and does it in an illustrative and example. I get an example before me. So it's like a, I'm glad that God gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers to this church. Isaiah, uh, 1 John 5, 9. 
That's Donica. It's going to be that. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Yeah. I mean, why do we accept the authority of God's word? On the authority of God. Sounds circular, doesn't it? But what does 1 John 5, 9 say? God is greater than man. God has testified to us. Let's hear him. Proverbs 13, verse 13. This isn't my phrase. I remember many, many years ago listening to a series of videos from Answers in Genesis. And one theme they constantly hit on was God's Word, our thinking in every area. So somehow, there it is, God's Word speaking to our thinking in every area. It's the authority of our thinking. I probably can't, um, this probably isn't, I'll, I'll try, I, I was dwelling on that, thinking about this class, and I was thinking about that statement, and thinking about the authority of God's word. Um, I can't find chapter and verse how to conduct um, a triple bypass surgery. So what do you mean are thinking in every area? Well, maybe I can find many passages of scripture to speak to why it's okay and why it's good that we have come to the point where we can um, do triple bypass surgery. Like, be fruitful, take dominion over the earth. As man continues to grow and advance, that's in Genesis right away, in the charge we have there. Or, thou shalt not kill. So it's good to preserve life. So God's our thinking in every area. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself. But he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. So again, this God's word is the authority. You don't want to be one that despises it, but obeys it. Like Tess said, authority calls for submission. He that fears the commands, that is like in a way that brings about obedience. We hit on Isaiah 66 2 almost every week, but it's to the man, what man does that look at with respect to his word? The one who trembles at it, has a holy, good, clean, healthy fear of the word of God. Psalm 1.
guess I'll read the first two verses to begin with. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So, is God's word acting authoritatively there for this man, this blessed man? How does that this passage relate to the authority of God? It's his delight, and yeah. he he thinks about it all day. That's the phrase I wanted. And just he thinks about it, thinks about it in a in the right way, in a way of submitting, and uh, he. Um, Brett's going to add to that? Well, I just wanted to say, how do we know what is the counsel of the wicked? How do we know the way of sinners? Yeah. Or the sinners? How do we know if we don't know the Word of God? Well, like you said before, Scott, the Word of God informs us. So his delighting, his meditating the Word of the Lord inform him to not walk in in, uh, the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. Amen. His word gives us discernment, so we do hear counsel of the wicked. So if we establish our thinking in every area on God's word, we'll be people that love it, that delight in it, that think about it all the time, that search it out, that lets that sees how line builds upon line and precept upon precept. And uh, then we recognize the ungodly's counsel. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm walking through life and I suddenly go, somehow God's word speaks to me like, I I believe this all these years and now it's exposed. (coughs) That's man's thinking. That wasn't God's thinking. I thought that was like right thinking. That wasn't right thinking. Father, forgive me. Father, thank you for showing me. And uh, yeah, so it's a, a contrast there. One who lives under the authority of God's word, not the authority of ungodly counsel. And uh, then verse three says, "That's a that's a great life, right? That's profitable. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You're going to prosper in the Lord when you live like that in everything." In all your sorrows and your rejoicing, you're like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Yes? I'm just, I'm asking maybe for encouragement. Like, how do you, when you don't have delight in the Lord, how do you find delight in the Lord? Like, just there's, keep believing. <laughs> there's things just I want to do. Like Nemo. Just keep believing. But then I just feel like I'm forcing myself through it. Yes, like, absolutely. But you ask, yes. you ask. It's Psalm 119. I know. You know. I know. This is how I feel about exercise, too, you guys. I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's not what I'm asking for. Don't worry. The Bible says the Bible is more important than exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about that's a great question, right? That's, that's a fantastic because um, where do we go when we find we're not delighting? I think your husband 
gave us a really good answer there. Did you refer to Psalm 119? Yeah. Incline my heart. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we, we can't always fake it till we make it. Right. We, we need the inspiration, the guidance, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for it to have that impact on us, to have that delight, that desire. It's the power work of the Spirit to give us a delight in His Word and in Himself. And if we if we get to that place, and I think, you know, the psalmist has been in that place, David's been in that place, we've all been in that place of despair and wondering why we're here and why we don't have joy and, you know, just to, to come to a place where we're honest with the Lord about it and use His Word to pray it back to Him and ask Him to give us that. And he will. He wants us to have it, and so it's a prayer that he answers. Philandra? Don't get me wrong. I suck at reading. I don't want to do it ever. I'm just like, mm -hmm. that don't sound like I want to do that right now. I just want to go on the couch and watch Lifetime movies. But we can't just do that. We come to the throne of grace and pray about it. I know it's a struggle, and it might be easier to grow growing in the faith, but I know all of us struggle with that. It's, it looks like it, even elders have struggles reading or coming to it. We're all in. Our bodies don't want to do it, but we have to do it. Just ask, come, like I said, come from grace and ask them, Lord, I need you. Just, I can't do this without you. I can't. We can. Amen. So is Another. it hypocrisy to to do it without feeling? Not hypocrisy. It's faith. Faith is faith moves when feelings don't kick in. So if I don't feel mm. I don't do it. That's good. What's faith? Faith is something we do by faith. We trust God because he said so. So do we worship God because we feel like it sometimes? No. Maybe that has a little bit to do with by faith and not sight. Yeah. Feelings could be like sight. Then it's easy. Yeah. They want to do it already. Well, it, it, it actually is a monitor for our, uh, where we're at. If we do things only by feelings, then there's, where's faith necessary? There is no faith. Russ is going to say... Yeah, I think, um, you know, those, those dry times we have um, when God feels distant and when we don't feel motivated to meet with God and feel like, it's, is he really at work? And then I think, I think over time, over life, you can look back at those seasons and it's, it's clear God was working. And so... Um, you know, I think the feelings come and go, just kind of like what Melville was saying. And yet, you know, God is faithful. And I think as you as you live a long life, you look back and you see His faithfulness, and that's what that's what mattered was God's faithfulness. And so I think it's a good question, Tammy, to think through and to wonder and to want and to desire. And yet, boy, what joy it is to know that that God is faithful when we're not, and that He is at work on the day when you don't want to meet with him, that he is at work, he is active, he is living. 
And so there's encouragement in that. Now we still want to desire to desire God, but the truth is God is God is at work no matter how we feel on a given day, loving us, uh, actively working in our lives for our best, for his kingdom purposes, every day, every minute, all the time. The just shall live by feelings. No. <laughs> right? no, the just shall live by faith. I like when I was comparison. It's not hypocrisy to act in faith, Tom. Encouragement for me has always been Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And when I'm feeling that, to, to go to God's word and not just read it, you know, ask for God's help, but to to taste scripture. I mean, I just think of a, how a cow eats, you know, he takes a bite, he chews, he swallows it, regurgitates it, and that's where I really understand scripture is when I'm I'm eating, chewing, I'm tasting, I'm enjoying the flavor of God's word and that's where God meets me when I'm there taking refuge in him that refuge is I can't do this on my own I need you I need your grace so I'm going to come to your word like Psalm 1 said I also think in the wake of grief however long that lasts for anyone you also have to be gracious with yourself. And Pastor talks a lot about having just, just have grace for today. God gives you the grace for today. And, grace for today. And I, and I think part of that is, and both have touched on it, but you just have to continue to go to the well of God's word. Just keep going to the well when it seems as if the well is dry, but you just keep going back. And that's like a saying I have to myself. <laughs> also, just keep going to the well, just keep going to the well. I think about what um, Peter said to Jesus, what Amber was saying is when Jesus said, you know, who, who do you believe I am? And, Peter gets to a place where he says, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so even just that he is our source. He's, he, and that source, like Russ was saying, is not dependent on our circumstances or our mood or our delight, whether it's there or not. It's constant, and he's, he's, always, he's always there. He's the source, and we just keep going back to him. I was just going to say, on a practical level, where this all started with Tammy talking about not wanting to read her Bible, like we need to remember our quiet time is not a book report. It's not the purpose for why we go to God's Word. It's not even to amass knowledge, but it's to encounter and draw near to the Lord, and He is faithful to draw near to us, as James 4 says. So maybe one helpful thing, as we're hearing these lofty truths about God this morning, is to remember that when we go to God's Word, it's not to check a box or to hit a New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. is to seek to draw near to our, our Creator. And we're also allowed to say, yeah. like, 
like I can I can do both. I can believe all these true things about who God is, and I can also feel like the weight of the fallen world on me. I can I can believe both and feel the you know the hurt of all of it and. I th yeah, I think they're, I think they're just, you know, I think there are seasons where, and this feels new to me, because I feel like I loved the, I, I loved the word, I do love the word, but like, felt like it permeated all areas of my life, and then the last couple years have been weird and hard, and you know, we've been married for eight years now. It's not so new anymore. And, you know, I I feel like I'm learning that in the wake in the wake of hardship and the heaviness of grief, perhaps I'm not seeing or I'm not understanding the way that I used to or felt like I used to just draw from the well, like and it filled me up. But I'll, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to yeah. keep going to the well. Okay. I love the fellow the song. David says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Trust thou in the Lord. So I think his constant reminder is, don't forget his benefits. We just had that sermon. Don't forget his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. If we forget the goodness of God in our self-pity, we can stay too long there. If we remember the goodness of God is to bring us out and to give us a solid place to stand on again, and that all these things that are terrible here will be made new again, and even the years that the locusts have eaten, I will restore. If we remember all those promises, and all the things that we can, we do have ahead of us, then no matter how bad it is, we have something to stand on and, and praise God for and to remind us that I, I'm not doing a vain thing. And, and even God has said that in Isaiah. You know, you'll say to me, this is a vain thing that we do. It's, it's worthless. It doesn't have any value anymore. And he reminds them why it's not vain. Haven't I been good to you? Haven't I been patient? Haven't I done this for you? So we need to do what David did. You know, why are you cast down on my soul? Trust thou in God. And then he said, remember his mercies and his goodness in the land, you know, before all these things happen. Because they'll be restored and there'll be new ones and it'll be there'll be a reason to hope and move on. I'm going to circle my wagon back around to the authority of God's word, right? That's why we're digging into it every day. That's why we're concerned about delighting in it and what to do when we don't delight. Because God's word has authority over me. Because God has authority over me. And God's word has authority because it is the word of God. It stands on what God has said. His witness is greater than the witness of men. And he has testified. So I have uh, um, jo uh, Joshua 1.8. Because I think that bell's been already rang or something. So I gotta, I gotta just, I wanna leave us with uh, our thinking in every area. 
founded and grounded upon the word of God. It settles all matters. Um, it doesn't have a book and chapter, chapter and verse for how to conduct triple bypass surgery, but it tells us why it, we ought to. Why it's good to know. Uh, so Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we want to hear from God every day because we want to live and walk in communion with God. But also we remember that we may observe that we will walk in righteousness and obedience to God. Even though we know we're saved by grace through faith, right? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But now, we having been saved, God does say, this is the way. Walk in it. So man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God to the law and to the testimony. They speak not according to this word because there's no truth in them. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing on all that was good and gold and helpful to us this morning, Father, that it would sink into our hearts and work fresh uh, desires and righteousness and obedience to your word. We ask, Father, for bread as he preaches the word of God to us today. Your spirit be with him, upon him, giving him great grace liberty and freedom to declare your counsel to us and we pray and ask for ears to hear hearts to understand knowing Lord God that it's not in us except you move and you work Father again we want to walk as children of the living God so we ask for your forgiveness in all the ways we fail every day And then for new strength to walk as men and women of the living God. In his name we pray. Amen.